welcome to um, what episode four? Five. Five. Yeah, that's right. Five with that double episode. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> five of the podcast. I'm Kana. I'm Ambi. And um, this is Diplomacy Games. Correct. So we're now in uh, another bar. We're in a, a kind of a place that's called Brew. Brew's an interesting place because it's coffee shop by day, bar by night. So it's very hipster. It's pretty cool. You have to come down for like a steep. But the great, way, yeah. the great thing about being a hipster is you're really starting to, to fit in because you're starting to go the hipster beard. Yeah, I started growing a beard, folks. Took it off at the top. Uh, actually, my wife is getting annoyed at my moustache, so I thought oh, really? camouflage. I like your moustache. No, I'm not cutting my moustache off. In a purely, you know, <laughs> purely <laughs> heterosexual man to heterosexual man type of conversation. <laughs> she, she, she was getting fed up with it. Um, and she prefers beards. Well, no, but I thought, you know, safety in numbers. Ah, yeah. right. So when I shave the beard off, I'll leave the moustache. Yeah, it's safe for another year. It's very good, yeah, yeah. It gives me an excuse for, to do Movember. I was thinking, actually, this is probably more a use of real life, what you've learned from the game of diplomacy to talk part of real life conditions. Well, yes. <laughs> How do you make sure somebody gets what they think they want, but you end up getting what you really want in the end? Exactly. And who says diplomacy doesn't teach you anything, huh? Absolutely. So what are you drinking today? I am drinking the... Yeah, I don't think it's on that list. No, no, it is. Is it? Okay. It's the Four Pines. No, no, it's not the Hefeweizen. You've no, got the Pale Ale. No, no, there's Four Pines. Yeah, but a Hefeweizen is like a, a German beer that's light and kind of... Cloudy. Well, what else? Are, oh, okay. yeah, I think it, you, you got something that was on the tap that actually wasn't on the list. Oh, it was four pines on tap. We'll four tell pines, you about pale ale. It's a pale ale. I kind of checked it because I thought you'd stuff it up. Okay. Here you go, and I did. Four pines pale ale. What did you have, Andy? I've got the Don Ramon Tempranillo from Spain. Is it a nice drop? It's a lovely drop. It's very nice. Well, cheers, cheers again. Yep. I think after the, our last catch-up at the Regatta, uh, I, I had I think I was going on about the stag and how I could never find good wines. And yeah. we, we were kind of talking, and I ended up finding it in Dan Murphy's just this weekend. Went out, bought a bottle. I thought, I'll put this in the cellar, which yep. is kind of a little bit like Harry Potter's bedroom, you know, the cupboard under the stairs. Hmm. And I thought it'll go in there for a couple of years, and it'll be an incredible drop in a couple of years. How many days do you last? Uh, it, it didn't even get to a day. I was, I, was, I was getting the bottles out of the car after being to down movies, and it right rolled out of the front passenger seat, hit the ground, dented, and started soaking wine out straight away. Oh, no, got to drink it. So it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll uncap that, and that's... Uh, we'll let it breathe for an hour or two. <laughs> well, excuses. Yeah. It was good. It was very good. I guess, um, you know, Dr. Dan, I don't know how I do without that guy. You said that? Yes. yes. So actually, we were just starting to talk about force. Um, there's an ongoing force game. Um, and I was, I was asking about how I'm, I'm finding it. And, well, I'm getting all sorts of orders. I'm getting everything from a complete table listing, you know, their total worth. Buy, sells, and the, the, everything. You get corrupted spreadsheets and from me. I get corrupted spreadsheets from you. Yes. <laughs> and um, I, I get I get others that are saying um, sell one thousand of something rather several times to buy as much as you can of another currency. Yeah. And so it's having to go. Oh, hang on, you can only sell a certain amount. And going through a whole uh, clarification phase with a lot of them. Well, not a lot, you know, but there's several characters who are obviously still learning how to play it. Yep. And um, it's no, it's actually really quite interesting. And, and really, when people are when they're PMing me their orders, hearing what they have to say about the game so far is fascinating. What What I like is how in, in our last episode when we were talking about force. I kind of, even in that episode, I kind of said, look, you know, one thing I did totally wrong from the beginning was I kind of went for a diversified portfolio. And guess what I've done? (laughs) Not surprisingly, I'm not winning. (laughs) Well, you know, on the last time we spoke about your force, um, not to mention that you came back on that game. You came back from very far down on victory points. Yeah, you came back from about... Tenth position on the boards to come in at third. 
Yeah, there you go. So you might have to go back and find out what I did. Yeah, think about what you did. Yeah. I've got a spreadsheet sitting there somewhere, but, but no, it's still there on the Google Docs because I posted links to it. I'm sure. Okay, very cool. Anyway, but that that was a little aside. Yep. Yeah. And you're enjoying it. I am enjoying it. Yep. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to do that at the same time of juggling two of our um, twenty not twenty twelve or anything two of our um, nine hundred and one known world. Tournament oh, maps, yes, yes, yes. which has been um, it's been great fun, been a bit of a challenge, but it's been great fun. Um, and actually, I just finished a game literally this afternoon, which I was defeated in, where I was so happy to have got up and running, and it was the Who Controls America game. Oh, really? You, yeah. you got one of them up running. <laughs> That's great. Got it up and running probably about oh no three weeks ago or whatever like that. Yep. yep. And uh, is it still ongoing? No, it literally, oh, it literally finished two hours ago. Uh, did you draw in it or did you...? No, I was defeated. Oh, you are defeated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, the worst part was I was defeated by a player who went in who NMR'd. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he, he was kind of in all of his SCs, and if he was had like one vacant SCs, I could have kind of popped in there just as he missed his orders. But um, anyway, so it's, it's, it, was a good, it was a good game. Uh, G-Man was in it. He played well. I'd actually probably have to double-check my, my map and everything like that. But um, a number of decent players were in it, and I guess the main thing to think about is when it comes to who controls America, it's apparently the Republicans, the underworld, and who else? I'll double check. I'll just keep talking. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so <laughs> also, I find experience. It. Like, it's like a big target on the map of America. Corporate America. Corporate America. Yeah, and it's divided into fractions. Factions. Fractions. Um, and you've got uh, the Underworld, Republican Party, Corporate America, Conservative one, Interests, yep. Democrat Party, the Military, Street... Secret Societies. Secret Societies and Liberal Interests. Um, oh, I see here that Liberal Interests um, yeah, I was, I was got the defeated. Hi- I was the hippies who got defeated. Yeah, okay. <laughs> defeated by the Underworld and the Republican Corporate. <laughs> Look, honestly, this is a very topical game you're playing. I know. Um, was there a lot of parallels drawn with... No, I was actually surprised that there wasn't a bit of, you know, a bit of chitter-chat or whatever like that about, you know, particularly with the debates that are going on at the moment or yeah, have been going yeah. on <laughs> and and some of the, the incredible things that I've never seen ever before in an election season and other people have kind of commented on that like you wouldn't believe, but... Um, oh, WebDiv's gone crazy on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought V Dip was bad, and then I went over and saw them on Web Dip, and they were just like nuts. Everyone's <laughs> 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 just gone. They're passionate, and that's awesome. It's great to read, you know. And I love, I love reading and hearing from different sides of the argument. Mm. Yeah, you know, hearing guys who are really absolutely passionate for the Republican Party, yeah, and guys who are absolutely passionate for the Democrats, yeah, and there are guys who are absolutely passionate and artists sitting there sort of sniping from the sides and you know the libertarians sitting there going no you're all wrong yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's a lovely melting pot I, I, I don't delve in I, like I read all the forum posts I do but I don't really enter into it I don't feel qualified because a lot of it's very American yep based oh of course yeah, yeah. and then you get the occasional UK based stuff and again I don't really feel confident sort of jumping into that fray yep. and saying, oh yeah, but you know, this is how we do it in Australia. But, and then they go, what? you got compulsory voting, what the hell are you on about? Yeah, well, you know, yeah. we do things interesting over here. Yeah, we kind of throw out our Prime Ministers about every 18 months as they get stabbed in the back way, by, yeah. by other people who obviously practice playing diplomacy far better real, than them. <laughs> real world diplomacy going on. So it was a good game. Yeah, um, so run, me what happened, run through what happened here is... Oh, okay. So, so for those who haven't seen the Who Controls America board, basically it's almost like um, a what do you call that? Like a game of darts, like a dart board to a certain extent, which is overlaid over the um, the American continent. I'd, I'd kind of sort of say that's a very balanced map, kind of like pure in some ways. Well, it's totally balanced. It has to be. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You know, every fraction has their has what starts with two supply centres. Is it three? Three. And there's uh, two supply centres in the middle. Yeah, so there's, so there's only so everyone so, sorry. There's only two neutrals at the beginning, and that's in the very very centre of the board, which is the um, the White House and the Congress. So um, this game, as I said before, was drawn. To win the game, you need to kind of um, actually. I think it's you do have to get a majority of, of supply centres, 
but yep. within that you must hold um, the White House and also Congress to actually control America. Right. Which makes sense. This game would be great playing as a role play. It would be really fun. <laughs> actually, we talked we talk briefly about the last the last episode about ex- extreme personalities, but yeah, this would be a good role play type of game it would be, yeah. where somebody could take on the uh, provided they're happy to take on the, the persona of, 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 of Donald and Hillary and a whole heap of other people. It could be interesting. Oh yeah, I mean you could go to town with the secret societies, couldn't you? Oh yeah, you yeah. could absolutely go to town. I don't know, I've just seen too many games. How about you? I mean, you've got, you've probably got a mess. How how long is it taking you to look after Boss at the moment? Boss is a heavy workload. Yeah, it is a heavy workload because, um, you know, I get I get preliminary orders, and so I put those in, or at least save them into a word document. Yep. And then, um, well, I have to actually enter in the, into the spreadsheet every person's orders individually and then double check that it actually works you know if it's too much or it's too little or, or just to make sure that there's no issues with it and then um, more often than not I might get uh, you know a couple of oh last minute changes please 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 because of the nature of it yeah people are going oh yeah no there's a, there's a Know, like the Turinese one, yeah, there was a couple of last minute. There's some orders. late money, late money coming in. So change, change my orders by. And we just, just the first season. Yeah, you know, let's see what happens in the next couple of uh, seasons um, there. But yeah, no, it, it is a it is a big workload, but it's something that it's fascinating for me too. Watching the currencies change. Yeah, so uh, you know, as an impartial observer, I'm watching the board. I'm thinking, you know. I don't think I'll put money into that country, but you know, people are putting money into that country. So, and I think hmm, there must be some diplomacy going on, some serious diplomacy going on behind the boards. So, you know, and I, I'm not privy to any of that, um, and it's only what people sort of say to me that why they're buying stuff that I get kind of a little bit of information to it. But like, well, one thing that came out just recently, which I thought was interesting, is obviously. As the game master, you publish the results around. Here's what people are buying, yes. and here's what their value and so forth. So it's quite clear as a player uh, to see the transparency involved, whether people are aware of it or not, about actually where the alliances are forming. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can see why would straight you buy away. Into someone who's in your, uh, you know, opponent. Yeah, you can yeah. you can see maybe two or three players performing exactly the same moves. They're dumping all all currencies. Except for, in this case, you know, uh, Russia, France, and Turan, and just putting all their money into that type of thing. So you can kind of see where there's collusion happening, and as yeah. a result of that, maybe start banding together with others saying, look, hey, this is going on. Do we want to have them control the game, or are we going to actually take charge and, and run the shop? Look, you could go to town with it too, and you could even use it as kind of like a collective tactic. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, you know, if it was me playing it, I would also be thinking about putting money into players who I was thinking about stabbing yeah. as well, you know. Um, if you can get a lot of people to sink money into a country, because you can only sell 500 at a time. You know. Well, that's the thing. Like, oh, you it's, know, it's a real tricky one. You know, there's layers on layers here. Well, so. yeah, I mean, it, hypothetically, you know, you could kind of, if, as being a, because you're playing, uh, playing the board and you're playing the balls. Yes. And as such, you know, you could be, I'll use France as an example, okay, just purely, if you were Germany and um, you hadn't happened to have bought into the big massive France buy, you might go, well, screw those bastards, I'm going to take France down and eliminate them and then their investment is worth naught, exactly nothing, yes. So there's a whole level, so I'm watching the map very closely. And um, it looks like a very friendly map at the moment. It doesn't yeah. seem to be... Um, and bear in mind, we're talking about 901, uh, September, spring 901. But in all honesty, the first map, the first moves of the map, there's no real obvious, well, to my point of view as an observer... Um, yeah. there's, no, no, there's no obvious flashpoints kind of... Popping up. There's no areas that sort of says, yeah, those two are going to really go for it. Well, that normally happens at the very beginning of 901. 901 is one of those games where I find that generally everyone tends to go for the neutrals very, very quickly. 
yeah. and then within about once you get into the second game year things start getting interesting so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so like, like I said I mean it's early days yet um, I personally if it was me playing the ball so I wouldn't have um, done a big buy in the first season Oh, so, so my diversification strategy may pay off in the long haul. It could well pay off. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But, yeah, again, again, it's, uh, you know, different different characters in the game, different yep. people you're playing against, um, different strategies would work against others, I'm sure. Very cool. So do you uh, want to talk any more about this game? Or we'll move uh, on? Look, I think this is something that, um, well, it could well go on for a while. This is, you know, a three-day phase game mm. um, specifically to allow time for the horse to yeah, yeah. the retreats and builds um, and so I'm sure that you know by the time we catch up again it'll still be ongoing and we'll maybe a bit more to talk then I don't or know. maybe the time after that or the time after that <laughs> <laughs> actually one thing I want to do say is we did mention in the last episode I think talking a little bit about um, Google Translate as a game we, we did I, I put some posts up there you kind of mentioned something as well in the forum and nobody seems to be taking the bait at the moment, so I don't know if yeah. it's going to come off. I don't know. It just seems like there's there's a lot of um, at the moment. There seems to be several special rule games. That's the thing I think. Up, yeah, so maybe maybe we need to give it a break. Yeah. Because I thought the same thing. I thought, well, maybe we can try a Google Translate game within WebDip. Yeah, that would be a great little spot. To it would be, but yeah. I think the problem about WebDip at the moment is everyone's getting really focused now on the 2016 World Diplomacy Champion game, which you're taking part of. I am. I've signed up. Yes, yes. I'm in uh, Team Eurovision. Great. You guys are Australians competing in the Eurovision. That's why we're called Team Eurovision. <laughs> we're, we're, we're three Australians, so we haven't got the fourth Australian because it's already an Australian team. And our fourth team member is an Israeli. So, of oh, course, yes, 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 so yes. for some bizarre reason in recent years, Eurovision, which of course was normally just for Europe. people in Europe, has now included Israel and now includes Australia. Because, because obviously, because yes. <laughs> we're obviously part of Europe. So you know, the team name for the this really the second Australian team is Eurovision for uh, our fourth Israeli player. Yeah. Now, um, but yes, I'm on, putting the, on, your, on your on the interview, which you. Um, oh yeah, we're going to talk about that very very um, soon. Going to play it soon. In a second. Um, but uh, was it uh, Gold? Who's running it? Goldfinger. Goldfinger's Gold running it. Yep. Goldfinger's running it. Um, you're saying that um, there's a cut off at 1920 to stop um, really prolonged games? For, for the first round. For the first yeah. round. Yeah, within okay. the finals it goes up to 1930. 1930. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's, a, that's still a fair whack game. Yeah. Not as a big whack as, what, 2000 and... What was the year? 2004 or whatever? Was it 2006? Whatever it was when the 2012 Web Dip Championship Championships. Finished. Yeah. Um, so we probably should uh, let you know. Um, Ambi proved the point that Technology is a fickle beast in the interview. Yes, um, yes. Whilst he was interviewing Jace, Goldfinger, and Leif. Leif, yep. Um, Who I always call Leif for some reason. <laughs> did, he, did he say anything about it? No, he didn't. He's, he's a gentleman. He's a real gentleman. It, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I, the problem is he called blokes Leif and women Leif. So, um, okay. sorry, Leif. <laughs> Fucked up on that one. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. I, 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 I had a mate at school whose name was Leif. Okay. Um, so I just always called him Leif. But yep. there's a guy at work called Leif. And everyone calls him Leif. And he doesn't pick up on it. He doesn't. Oh, so, yes. you know. Um, I said, well, do you prefer Leif or Leif? He goes, Leif. But he didn't say anything until someone asked him. Yep. So, yeah. That's fine. Bye. Anyway, but you, you got online and you... Um, Interviewed them. Yes, it, it was. Um, it was an interview about six months in the making. It was, and you finally got everyone together, and <laughs> except for you, except for me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm such a bludger uh, at times. Um, no, I, I ended up going camping. It was a yep. last minute thing. It's the last weekend of holidays. Oh, I, 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 said, I, you are coming camping with me. I think that's fantastic. So, I, to, maybe we shouldn't be saying I, this. Maybe because we're we're Aussies, but. Um, I probably would have liked to have been camping too if I got the choice, <laughs> especially with all the technology fuck-ups. So let me just explain what, what, what um, Kano was talking about. And I actually wasn't going to mention it, but I will mention it now. <laughs> so thanks for that. 
uh, when, when recording the interview, for some strange reason, my questions actually weren't coming in. You turned your microphone off at some point. Well, turned down the volume or something. I, I, I did something wrong. As, as, as we've mentioned before in this podcast, I'm amazed we've been able to achieve so much with how little <laughs> knowledge we have of technical matters. Well, we've kind of... I proved that. <laughs> proved it. Proved the opposite. <laughs> Yet again. So, uh, so, the, so the actual interview has no, my, none of my questions whatsoever. So, um, but luckily, everyone's answers. Yes, they've got yes. their answers. So, yes. what, what just for the context of, of the listener, and um, and apologies to our interviewees, I've actually dubbed the questions or what I believe were probably the questions I was asking at the time uh, <laughs> over the top. I mean, that, that that in itself has been interesting because sometimes I have no idea what the fuck I must have asked, and other times it's it's really <laughs> disconcerting because. In talking to them, they're like having a big old laugh. I'm going, oh, I wonder what I said. <laughs> and they weren't drinking because when we recorded this, it was like 11 o'clock at night here in Australia, and it was like about 9 o'clock in the morning over there. So they must have been drinking coffee. Oh, excuses. Whilst I've been drinking, you know, oh, we have beer and wheat over here. Eh? Yeah. Anyway. So, so the dubbed the dubbed questions have been put in. Yes. Yes. And um, we're, I, I was actually just thinking that we might actually do something a little bit more special with this one, given that it's such an epic event. It's, this is like a, a world record yes. length of yep, time yep. a game has been played. Yep. Um, that um, I'll, I'll uh, sort of splice in some imagery into that. Actually okay. run it as a, uh, awesome. like you can embed it as a video um, so on the website. What we'll do normally, normally for the. Uh, Purpose, well, sorry, for everyone who's listening, what we tend to do is, is um, Kane and I get together, we have some have some drinks, we record, and then depending on how much time I've got between that and the next one, I'll pump out the episode on the podcast. So I'm guessing that... Well, we could run two. I mean, we could have well, the audio for people to listen well, yeah, to. Well, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like a visual, they can see the, uh, well, well, the maps, because there's a lot of talk about different specific yeah, yeah. years in it so, so, so all, all I, I guess what I was going to say is look if you happen to tune into the podcast literally just after we've launched it and then you go over to the YouTube page because I think we've actually got a YouTube page for the Diplomacy Game somewhere oh okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> another thing I miraculously yeah. pulled off okay, yeah. um, and if it's not there it probably will be there very soon otherwise you know you can kind of Bitch and moan and PM to Caner and say, Where the fuck is it? Yeah, you bludger. Yeah. Gone camping, have you? <laughs> yeah, gone camping again. <laughs> so, without delay, we'll play our interview now, which was our interview with the three of the four um, drawing players in the 2012 Web Dip. Oh, we're introducing the... Is that part of the introduction to it? Yeah, that's the introduction to it, and then oh, we'll... I thought we were recording our podcast, and then we'll actually do, like, a little intro. No. 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 No, no, this is it. This is it. This oh, is this big is the real time. Thing. This is yeah, yeah. This is... Okay. All we've right. made it. Made it. Made we've, it. We've got, we've got three awesome players. We didn't get the fourth player. The fourth player actually was the substitute into the game, late in the fact. Okay. So, um, but we, we do have here Leif, Jeez, and Goldfinger. Yep. And um, and my double questions. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. On, on, on another note, just quickly, I don't, okay. I don't think I ever um, thought of Jesus Jeez. I always thought of as Jason. But um, I always thought that too. But it is it's it's Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. There we go. As, as I said, so how do you? Just before we started the recording, and, and I actually do remember saying this, but it's not on the tape. I said, so how do you actually pronounce your your handle? And he says, it's it's Jeez. Just sounds like geese. Oh. <laughs> with the J and and uh, you know uh, and, and a couple other laughs listen like, like Silesia and Galicia and um, Triolia uh, all these all these countries I've always thought of them in my mind and I pronounce them entirely differently but it, it, it was, it's a great listen you know hearing and, and especially um, when they get into um, strategic depth oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really good but maybe we'll talk about that after the after the recording we'll let them talk and then we might give our very quick synopsis and thoughts after the interview how's that sound sounds good awesome okay. well, so there we go. cheers cheers And welcome to the Diplomacy Games podcast. I'm Ambi, and I'm being joined at the moment by three of the finalists who actually survived and drew in the Web Diplomacy 2012 World Cup Finals. Uh, of course, the 2012 World Cup Finals seems to be so long ago when you consider it's now 2016, and that's got a lot to do with the fact 
that this particular game uh, pretty much went forever. Uh, the game itself began, obviously, in the normal uh, style of any classic game in 1901 and ended up finishing in spring 2005, a full 104 years into a diplomacy game, which obviously is, is an actual you know, world record by any means. So the fact that um, these guys managed to survive and get through and draw, I think, is an absolutely incredible effort. And there's a lot from this interview that uh, many of you will take away and go, wow, that's something I need to kind of employ in my games. Uh, whether you're playing uh, the Diplomacy Classic game or whether you're playing any of the many, many variants that are available within um, V Diplomacy or a few of them within Web Diplomacy as well. So three of the players who are joining us for this interview is uh, Leith, who, uh, Leith Stevenson, who is uh, playing and it was a player for Germany, uh, Gies, who played as Russia, and Goldfinger as Austria. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you very much. Yep, thanks. So when you start thinking about this uh, this game, guys, it was an incredible game. I mean, 104 years, I, my mind is just, I, I can't even just imagine, you know, being able to dedicate myself for that period of time. I mean, we're, we're talking about a game here that literally began in 2012 and didn't finish in 2016. Mind-blowing, to say the very, very least. Look, what kept you guys going? Yeah, well, at some point, you just got to keep going because it's so long. You know, because you had so much time invested in it already and you wanted to get, you know, your desired results out of it. So each of us actually had our own, like, specific win conditions that we were, we were headed for. I, uh, turns out mistakenly believed that I could, um, help my, my team win the tournament if I got an, in an incredible solo, like a 24 center solo or something. Um, which turns out I was mistaken because I didn't read the tournament rules correctly. And it, uh, it's capped at 18 centers uh, for scoring purposes. Yeah, I think as, as Germany, I was the only one who didn't have a tournament win option. I was going for the uh, win within the game only. And so I, I think also around midway through the game, we found out that we were in the middle of making history as well with the length of the game. So a couple of those things were, were kind of what kept me interested in the game even as it went on as long as it did. So I guess in making history, did you, did you know what the previous record was before? Um, 1960 was the record. Primarily in the, because um, the game had been going on so long, it, was, it seemed um, right to continue it. And also actually in that fall 1960, I was... Um, I almost won the game, so because I, I wanted to continue because I thought I might have a chance to win again. It was um, if you if you go to the game and you look at the maps um, and you go to fall 1960, you notice I pick up um, uh, how many supply centers? Is it three supply centers? I think that year. I um, decided to do a gamble. I knew that. I was grinding away, but I thought there was a chance for me to pick up four supply centers in a single turn if I was lucky, and I thought it would end the game. And uh, um, I think by that time we knew about the 1960 game, so we knew that it would t tie the record. I just, I just wanted to get it over with. But um, Yeah, you picked up a three that year. I picked as, up... As the game for reference right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... If you look at Galassia, uh, or, uh, I have it support holding Celestia. Um, and presumably that was because um, I was afraid. Wait a second. <laughs> it, it's a bit hard to sort out our reasonings so many years later. Yeah. Right. So, so, so I actually got it wrong. It was actually 1965, and I think that was the, the longest game on record. So, so we only blew out the record by 40 years, not, not 45. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so starting again, um, <laughs> um, in, what is this, 1964, 
Where am I? I'm, I'm, I ended up at six, 17 supply centers, right? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Right. Right, I had four builds. So this is 1964. I, I think one of those builds was because of, um, a, a unit of mine had been destroyed in the spring phase or something. Maybe not. Maybe I actually did pick up four supply centers. And I thought I could pick up five. Um, I have one, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven, twelve. 13. No, I had thirteen. So yeah, I thought I thought I could pick up, I thought I could pick up um, five supply centers, and I almost did. Uh, if you look at what I did in Galicia, um, in I, I I tried to tap Vienna, but if I had instead support held Budapest, there was a Russian army in Budapest. You can't really see it on the mini map. Um, I would have kept Budapest. Would have been dislodged in Greece and then retreated to Bulgaria. I would, I would have won the game right there. Um, actually, the longest game on record because it would have been in a retreats phase. I think the 1964 game was tied. Um, I think they, they drew uh, in the fall before the retreats. So I was, I don't know, just seeing that I was so close and that I uh, and I was still dominating the board I, for for a couple decades. Yeah, so the game always had this this odd balance of Jace, like almost on the verge of victory several times throughout the game, and it really didn't change until uh, we got an Italian sub pretty late in the game that came in, and it really did change the tenor of how the game was going. Okay, so there was an Italian sub. Um, what happened there? Uh, I mean, especially after being committed to the game that long. Yeah, I... I... Italian player, I think he just got fed up after 73 years of play. Uh, in 1964, he was replaced by a teammate. Yeah, I think he just uh, reached his limit. Right. So, so I knew what Italy turns up. How, how, did, that, how did that change things? It, it did, and it did change the dynamic. But he, in, the, in 1974, he got replaced by a teammate, which was actually against the tournament rules, but we, we allowed it at the time. He had been very hard to deal with. I think I, uh, I know both of the Players that were eliminated later in the game, England was eliminated crazy early, had, had falling out with it. It, it seemed like um, the, the dynamic did change, but also because I changed my strategy. I mean, I, I had, I think I had dominated the board. We, we just said that the longest game on record was 1964, I think we just said. Uh, if you look, when I started dominating the board, it was, well, see, when I eliminated Turkey, it was 1929. Uh, from, from, yeah, but uh, I'd go even further back. I, I'd you say think, you were one of the dominant powers, like 1920. And... Yeah, I guess. Okay, well, looking at the game board, I, and I really recommend Kana's uh, animated video of gameplay over the years, which we'll, log, you know, we'll actually link to uh, within the show notes for, for this podcast. Look, dominance seems to move around a bit. At some point in time, some players are clearly dominant. Other times, other players are clearly dominant. I mean, take, take yourself, Leith, with your dominance in the 1940s. What, what caused all that? Yeah, back during the 1940s was when I, I had more time invested in the game and I was able to uh, to actually try to play some strategy rather than just react to everything else going on on the board. Um, unfortunately, so going back to something G said earlier, uh, a lot of players, uh, namely Austria and Russia both, had a lot of trouble with the Italian player through the game. I actually worked better with the original Italian player than the second. Uh, I was I was better able to predict what he would do even when he was attacking me or assaulting me. Um, and in the 1940s was actually when our relationship was, was probably the best. Uh, unfortunately, I, I got to a busy point in real life and wasn't able to, uh, to play a turn or two there and lost a few uh, initiatives to NMRs. Um, and that was kind of the downfall of my games about as I just couldn't quite cap it off uh, the final effort I needed. Right. So, so the whole the whole game dynamic changed with the hangman coming in as the new Italy. Um, I was saying uh, that he was, he was very communicative, and I'm actually surprised that that uh, I guess it's true. I mean, with 74 years of, of play, the, the dynamic changed because because I think Italy and Germany also had a falling out themselves. I know if you remember. Um, Leif didn't didn't Italy decide to? Oh no, there was it was Aust it was um, Austria. It was um, 
it was Goldfinger that, that invaded your host, so home supply centers. So you're right, you didn't you didn't really have a falling out with Italy, you're right. Yeah, no, Italy and I yeah. never had a major falling out. Um, right around 1955, we had a little bit of a, a tussle over Iberia um, that I actually won. And I think Italy got to about its lowest point right around 1960 or so, um, down at three supply centers. And that's my NMR in 1959, when you started your invasion that led to your, uh, your greatest, I guess, reign of power. Uh, was when Italy was also at his weakest. And as I remember, Italy and you had a number of, not I guess falling outs, but kind of head-to-head arguments in the forum about strategy and and uh, trying to get Austria and I to do either of your uh, best options. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the old Italy and I certainly had a much better relationship than the new one. Um, the new one that came in, the hanged man, is his He's a very, very good player who I respect a lot, and he kind of locked down our front, I would say, because the old Italy, uh, you know, I would always nab Venice from him, or he would take Trieste from me, and we'd swap home supply centers and little bits and bats, but um, mainly we worked together very well, because for the longest time, for a good 30 years, we were the two smallest players on the board, and that kind of forms and sort of bond against the two big wigs that were Germany and Russia. Um, but then the new one comes in and he doesn't take any of the crap. And he looked like around 1980 when I was going through one of my expansionary phases, he throws everything right at our border, locks it down right away. And I'm kind of trapped immediately. And that was a new, new experience for me because usually I'd been able to sort of have my way with Italy for the previous 60 years. Yeah. Italy, um, the hangman really did change the um, dynamic. I mean, and this game was anonymous. We didn't really know who the new Italy was um, while we were playing the game. I think he continued the strategy of, of Mujus, but I, I sort of like was just hoping in the back of my mind that he was going to change his strategy and actually work with me. And I, I remember we, we had much more constructive dialogue, but it was all um, a ploy. But, but even if it wasn't a ploy, I mean, my, my options were limited. I, it's true that Germany was um, became strong in the 1940s, and I think he had another important solo push. But I was never. Um, I always had control of both major presidents, both Scandinavia, and had a firm control of Anatolia, and uh, was basically dominating the board from the 1930 or as um, Goldfinger said, the 20s up until my very rapid collapse in. Uh, in the around 1992, 94. So I, I was already dominating the board for the longest, longer than the longest game in history. And I, I, I tried to, you know what, maybe I'll, I'll try to work with Italy at this point. It was crazy. I mean, it's, it's like a game that had gone on 90 years, there had been never a point when I had cooperated with Italy, which in, in, uh, should have been a natural ally in, in some senses because we didn't have any. Um, any uh, frontier, really. Um, but that fell through um, primarily because Italy had no interest in, in really allying it in my empire very rapidly. Within two years, collapsed to two holdouts in, in what I consider my bulwarks in Scandinavia and Anatolia. Um, and only and from there, it was just a, a matter of holding on. I never I never recovered. Okay, and so so what was what was Italy up to? I mean, what was he trying to achieve? So my answer is well, actually going to be pretty lame. It was, um, it was throughout the entire game, the the one with holding a draw vote for most of the game, and he was working towards the uh, three-way draw. I believe that was his win, win condition. My reason, actually, at that point, and I, for a long time, Jeese and I had the same goal. We wanted the game to progress either until it was a three-way draw for Jeese, or in my case, I wanted to, to create as many solo attempts as possible. So it was in my interest for the game to, to go longer. Uh, at that point, though, there was enough real-life issues going on that I decided, you know, I just need this game to wrap up. So um, because Jeese was withholding the draw vote, I was able to actually change a strategy to work with Goldfinger and push into into Russia's territory to force that draw vote. 
Right. So, and with me, like, I remember I had that moonshot victory condition. Um, and the only way I could feasibly see myself achieving it is that I, if I occupied everyone's home supply centers. Um, so anyone that would help me, because, I mean, in 1992 or something, I had Naples. Um, at various points in the game, I tried to get Munich and Berlin. Um, so I was always gunning for home supply centers. So I would kind of work with anyone who would, you know, get me that first leg up. And the idea was to kind of use the whatever power I took home centers from as a puppet from then on to try and steamroll into the next one. Um, I mean, obviously it never worked. <laughs> I tried many times, got knocked down to one FC many times. So it clearly wasn't just a case of winning the game to win the tournament. Um, how did the actual, how did the tournament work? So the tournament um, operates on a, on a team system and a point system. So we were one of four players on each of our teams, you know, and they had each completed their games years before ours. Um, so we each had the numerical scores for each of our teams. So it was, um, you know, 420 points plus 18 supply centers for a solo and 420 divided by however many the draw is plus your supply centers um, if there was a draw. So we knew mathematically the point number that we had to hit to top out sort of over the other teams. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that, that was actually the main reason why Italy and I didn't, didn't get along. Because even though the game was anonymous, we figured it out fairly quickly. I think with a, help, with a lot of help from Sandgoose, I think, at the beginning, um, who helped identify players. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Sandgoose almost immediately called everyone out. Uh, he was the original Turkey player. Was he was banned in... Um, 2012. Yeah, 1908. Okay, cool. So, how many games did you have to play to get to the to this point in in the finals to be part of the finals? Well, we had team yeah. members in, in other games that had finished. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I was I was Team Texas uh, or part of Team Texas, uh, and most of my team had had a fairly abysmal showing, if, as I remember in. So, so it was split. There were uh, two gunboats, a full press, and then a public press game. And I don't remember entirely the rest of the the lead up, how many games were played, but we had made it just good enough to be in the final, but I think we had no win option at that point. And I think if I had soloed, Italy would have still won the tournament, um, Italy's team. Um, but... It was a, a number of games, at least one, probably two, to get to this final. I don't know if you, uh, Kevin or Geese, have better memory on that than me. I don't have it up in front of me. So. Uh, I just have it up again. What was your question? How, how many games had we played to get to this point? I know we had a four-person team with a standby. Oh, so it was just one group stage before this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just yeah. one game. Okay. And um, I guess at the moment everyone's particularly if you if you go over to web diplomacy you're very much aware about the the 2016 um web dip championship that's that's coming up at the moment for the world cup there um is, is there going to be any changes to the rules of how the tournament works compared to the 2012 um versus the 2016 um, web dip um, championship that's going on uh yeah it'll more or less be exactly the same as the last one as far as rules and setup goes um you know, this, I mean, this is my first time running it. The, the Part of the reason why the game went on so long is that the uh, previous tournament director kind of just uh, disappeared. Um, so I've, I've taken the handle this time around. And, um, you know, we're about four days into sign-ups. We have 14 teams, and um, a lot of people are very excited about it and, um, you know, sort of conspiring in private to get the best players on the site sign up on their team and stuff. So it's it, looking to be very, very competitive this time around. I'm not, not saying the last time was not competitive because it was. I mean, one of the things, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm in Australia, as no doubt you can tell from, from the accent. Um, I know that there's already been an Australian team that, that's, that's formed and, and there's a few Australian players kicking around. What can, what can other players, what can players do instead if, if they can't get a team up from their country? Yeah, they, they can either create a second team for that geographic area or um, they can just 
you know, go a wider geographic area, you know, instead of a team Texas, like a team Midwest United States. Um, in, the, in the finals of the game we're talking about, uh, Italy was California A, because there were two California yeah. teams. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, and I was uh, Iberia, and, and the only way I could um, get enough points to overtake California was to win the game. Um, actually, I think Italy had to be eliminated and I had to win the game, something like that. Yeah, yeah because one of Italy's teammates had soloed the game. So are you guys throwing your hats in the ring for the 2016 championship? <laughs> yeah. Um, Leif, I'll, I'll find a team for you. Don't worry. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, just put me wherever. I'm, I'm not looking to be on a high-power team necessarily. That's going to be too much pressure. So I, I didn't even know that there was a 2016 championship being organized. Yeah, I just um, put the sign-ups up on Monday, I think. So uh, we actually have three up. for... I was going to say... Uh, Jeez, we actually have three for uh, Latin America, uh, kind of second to a South America team that's already up there. So if you're interested in joining a Latin America team, there is uh, three already there. Except like, uh, Ibero-America. Right. <laughs> I think that was the, in 2012, that was what we were originally aiming for. Um, but then there what was that? Ibero-America was what we were originally aiming for in the 2012 World Cup, but I think they found a Latin American team or South American gotcha. team. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll let my team members know that there's another tournament coming up. Um, I, I doubt, I mean, it's been so long, I doubt it. Um, a lot of them are, are going to be doing it. I, I myself, I don't, I don't know whether I, I can do this. <laughs> As, as Will Wheaton says, diplomacy wounds run deep in that one. Uh, I mean, years it, of wounds. Yeah, I mean, it's. I kept on going long after I should have. I should have given it a pause. <laughs> and um, I think I, I might stay out of this one. Fair enough. There are some really good teams. Some really, really strong teams this time. California is very scary. Well, California did quite well. But it's crazy how um, how much it flipped from 2010 to 2012. In, in the 2010 World Cup, there was only one team that reached the finals from the States. In the 2012 World Cup, um, Iberia was the only team that wasn't from the States. Look, I think one of the problems at the moment, from my perspective, is that, look, I've just when it comes to, to joining the 2016 game, one thing that that's going on for me is look, I've just got too many games on at the moment. How, how did you guys go about? Playing the championship with the games that you you already had going on, you know, did it affect? Did it have an impact, I suppose, on any of your other games? I think I think most of us were were so busy that we just stopped playing other diplomacy games by, by the end of it. Um, I know that's what happened. Okay, so when it came to strategy, what approaches did you guys apply to the game that that really worked for you? I would say one thing I, I learned. Well, it kind of reinforced from the game is my, my sort of mantra when I'm trying to go for a solo is that I want to keep as many players alive as possible. Um, just because it makes more problems for coordination, it leaves more options diplomatically. And this game kind of sunk into this four-way sort of parody. And I mean, it had Jace knocked me out when he had the opportunity to several times, it would have been a, basically the same story, just a three-way parody. And that, that was a really a main factor. The, the fact that there were only four of us on the board was a big factor, I think, in why no one was able to solo because the rest of us were just able to come together so easily. Um, so it kind of reinforced that, like, when I, whenever I personally try to go on a solo effort, I make sure to keep a couple of small powers alive if possible to help me out. So the fluidity of the alliance waxed and, and waned, obviously, due to whoever was getting the upper hand at the time, which, which, apart from the calibers of the game, is one of the main reasons the game went on, I take it? Yeah, it definitely felt that way to me. Um, there was a, when we reached our 100th year, there was a Reddit post that came out. Uh, 2012 Web Dip World Cup final has reached its 100th year. And somebody did a, uh, I think it was Captain Me, did a, a SD count graph. And that really shows some of the fluidity between which players were dominating when, which were on the rise and on the fall. 
it, it's pretty interesting. Uh, it also shows the high and low of each of the each of the great powers too. Um, but it, what I definitely learned from this game is, and and it was it was definitely an honor for me to play with such a high caliber players in this game. I had not played that caliber of game before. You really have to be on top of your game the entire game. You can't let things slide. And I did not kind of stay away from other games. I kept pursuing other games just because I needed something else to capture my interest from time to time. And had I been able to stick with the, the focus on this game, I probably would have performed better, wouldn't have had as many NMRs, and wouldn't have gotten stuck where I'm, I have a game ending every hour or so that gets in the way of, uh, of real life. And so I just have to set things aside to take care of real life. But some of that was my own fault, and uh, I definitely learned you have to keep a, a managed amount of games to keep a good interest in each of them. So on the NMR and, and real life, it obviously had a big impact on, on Lath on the board. Um, how did others feel about the impact of real life on the game? Well, it really depends. On uh, the, sorry. Um, yeah, it really depends on what's happening in real life. Um, I mean, and, and Leith is, is right, of course, that, I mean... I mean, he had a few NMRs, but I think it affected all of us. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have made that mistake with the one army in Galicia and won the game if I had been less busy at that time. To really analyze the board properly, can sometimes when when you're when you're really obsessing about it, it can take a couple hours. I mean, you're thinking about other things at the same time. You're not just thinking about the game, but but it's uh, it's not easy to um, to really give something its full full work when when you um, it, it, when you have other things. And what lessons did you guys learn when it came to, to communication? I don't know if we, we really discussed this aspect too much, but this was a, a public press game, a global only game. So we could see when everyone else was talking. And that kind of, at least for me, put more pressure on me to, you know, always be a, be like around to have, you know, chip in and, and try and thwart some other's diplomatic efforts. So, I mean, that aspect really was, was key and, it also is sort of why you can't draw too many uh, lessons, I guess, from this because it was public press. But we we actually broke the messaging system in, uh, of the website because of this game. <laughs> and, uh, like yeah. if, you, if you go to the messages archive, you'll see that there are only a few lines. It's like two pages or three pages. Uh, scroll down, and um, we. Before, when, when this game started back in 2012, you could scroll down, you could do control F and, and search through the whole messages archive all together. We, we, we made uh, web diplomacy much more inefficient for everybody. And we're scrolling back and we have now, we had that in that game, 415 pages of chats. Uh, yeah, because before, before the system wasn't paginated and, um, you know, as Jess said, you could just go all the way down and um, we, we reached that limit. So messages just weren't saving anymore. So, so we ruined great web diplomacy for the whole, um, for all the players. <laughs> just <for the> <laughs> nice work, guys. So, so when it comes to lessons learned then, what did each of you take away from, from this particular championship? Um, Goldfinger? Well, uh, as tournament director, I've uh, instated a rule that all games are forced to be drawn in 1920 for this next round, <laughs> just to make sure for the for the first round, nineteen twenty. For the for the finals, nineteen thirty. I'm extending it to, but uh, yeah, just so we don't have another endless game on our hands. <laughs> How about you, Jace? I, I think the, the the main takeaway for me was was how dominant a position Russia can be in when they have um, both Scandinavia and Anatolia, um, and I think the other players realized that, but. But I was always somehow able to recover my position on either of those two bulwarks. So much so that I was willing to lose um, a couple of my home supply centers at times to be able to defend Anatolia and Scandinavia. Um, and I think that, I, mean, I don't know how, how Goldfinger and Leaf think about that, but, but I think that was a, a key reason for why the game actually lasted so long, because there wasn't much way for anyone to have any maneuverability when, when um, when Russia took up this crazy extent of, of territory, but without really being able to advance further, uh, only being able to. Yeah, I would I would agree that 
demonstration of projecting power both north and south without control of a stalemate line was was definitely a lesson for me. Um, my gameplay tends to be much more careful and plodding as I try to shove a player in a direction that I want. You were able to quickly move to capture the key geographic regions without thought to your home centers and yet still masterfully control the situation. And so that was a, a takeaway for me, just watching your gameplay there. Well, oh, thank you. So, Jace, as, as Russia got to push that strategic envelope, how about others? I mean, what could you do with your countries? I really don't like playing Austria. <laughs> don't worry, neither, neither do I. <laughs> but uh, I, I actually love playing Austria. I mean, just uh, Austria specific, it, it kind of told me, got me to realize just how hard it is to get yourself out of um, a position as a junior partner in, in, in alliance because, I mean, at various points I was working with Russia or I was working with Italy, but um, for the most part I never felt like I was the senior partner in either of those alliances. I just kept shifting back and forth from being a number two guy in the totem pole to being another number two guy in the totem pole. So, so when you get knocked down, what can you do? Yeah, I mean, I thought I was going to be knocked out in uh, 1921, 1922. I mean, that was, I think I got down to 1SC at more than one point in the game. Italy was knocked down to 1SC. I, I mean, I, th I think also just to, to more um, drive in the point about Scandinavian Anatolia, I mean, you look at the stalemate line in the game, and there's only really one real stalemate line in traditional diplomacy. That's the, the one that starts in the southwest uh, and, and ends in the northeast, passing through Scandinavia through um, uh, Switzerland and the Baltic, so Iberia, Switzerland, the Baltic, and ends in St. Petersburg. When you can make sure that you control two sides of the stalemate line, the game will never drop, naturally. I mean, if, unless people get fed up like we do, or I think I, find, I finally drew, not because so much like this I got fed up, although that was part of it, but because my position was totally compromised. Uh, um, Goldfinger had cornered me, and he wasn't yet aware that he couldn't win per tournament rules, and if, if he, I, I realized that if he did free, free, figure that out, I would be destroyed. He would have quickly knocked me out. But but there's this, the stalemate line is really key. I mean, when when you can control two sides of the stalemate line, there's very it's very very hard for a game to naturally come to the end because there, there's very few stalemate lines that are left. Yeah, that's a good point. So, any other final thoughts? I guess I'll go. Um... <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. I mean, as a final thought, it's just playing with people for so long, you know, even if it is just online, you, you do develop a sort of camaraderie. It becomes, I wouldn't say a second family, but you kind of, you know, it, it devolves out of just diplomacy and you get talking about regular life and, and it, it opens up a different aspect of enjoyment for the game that you don't always see in those short games, you know, or live games uh, that you play online. So that, that was, it certainly made me enjoy it more than, than I would in normal situation. Yeah, I, I can second that for sure. It's definitely, a, I, I feel a special uh, respect for these players, but also a friendship. Uh, just anytime I get a chance to play with any of these players again on any other games, it's like there, there are uh, stabs to be avenged. There are also... Uh, I know how these players will play. I, I, get, I get a feel for how these players will play. And I wish them the best in all the games that I, I uh, play with them. It's just, it's, it's an honor to have played with them and just to be building that friendship and relationship through the years. Um, to answer your other question about what was, was kind of my final thoughts, I wanted to say I had kind of a bit of side fun trying to go for as Germany owning one of every player's home supply centers kind of as a side interest, not as a game end condition. I think the only one I never owned a home center of was Turkey. But I got all the way down into Italy. I owned all of Goldfinger's supply centers at one point. Uh, definitely both with and without Jesus' uh, permission, I guess, I owned some Russian supply centers. So that was kind of a fun side interest for me is how many different directions can I push as Germany to try to set up a solo condition? Yeah. All in all, it was quite a fun game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just like to echo that. I mean, we we did um, 
form a sort of a bond. And I think Jeremy and I, for allied for most of the game, um, formed a good bond. And, and the constant interactions I had with Goldfinger were constantly changing supplanting it. I think um, Captain Meme did an, an analysis of how many times Romania changed hands, and it's, it's out of a park how many times Romania changed hands in, in this game. I think it, it really um, it really was a... You, get, you got to know the other players, you get to know a feel for it, and, and partly that's because you try to stick to certain principles, right? Um, like in real diplomacy, in, in the real world, I mean, if, you, if you're totally erratic, no one's going to take you seriously. But if, but if you um, follow certain rules and, and you follow uh, certain agreements, uh, you can really uh, shape the narrative and, 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 and really get to understand. Well, shape the narrative if, if you can control um, what these understandings are, right? If you have an, if you, have a, um, you can really start to control the game if you um, can shape what is viewed as normal and what is viewed as, as a, a slight on, on, on somebody. But you can also you also get to know people personally. I think we, we think we we really did get to know each other after a crazy amount of time playing the game. Um, at least how we would interact in within a game, not maybe not in real life, but how, how the us players interact in a game. Well thanks thanks again uh, Goldfinger, Leith and, and Jace um, for their your insights guys it's been an absolutely incredible experience thank you very much for your time and thank you for very much for being part of the diplomacy games podcast uh, take care no problem thanks and welcome back yeah hope you enjoyed that yeah it was a great i um i have to say i was absolutely fascinated to hear about how germany life yes yes um, it's, it's sort of Sub goal was to have a supply centre of each home, a home supply centre of each player. His, unoffi- yeah. his unofficial goal. Oh, his no. unofficial goal. I love oh, that. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. You know, what what a goal to set yourself, eh? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was interesting, and I didn't actually really understand. I just thought, look, hey, it must be almost like a like a football match where one player plays off, sorry, they get together for a game, whoever wins that in that pool goes on to the next pool, whoever wins that goes on to the next, like a semi-final, and it wasn't like that at all. There was obviously all this intricacies involved with how the team had played before, how the points worked out, and that kind of then impacted on their victory conditions, because some players, literally, the only way they could win was soloing. Yeah, Another, solo and a, just, and a killing a killing Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they had to... That was the that was it. That was the goal, yeah. yeah so yeah. and then others, it's like, well, as long as I make it to the end and draw, we win the tournament. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, I mean, honestly, there's a meta game there, isn't it? You know, it's um, a really good point because actually, you're 100 correct. It, it is. It's a meta game in the sense, but it's actually looking in the broader context of the tournament. And I think if you looked at it in that way, it's the spirit. I think is actually acceptable because it's actually you're using the game as an instrument for that broader con- uh, conflagration. I was going to say conflagration. I've only had one. I only had one one. Um, let's say suite of games. Yes. Yep. So, um, but it's actually probably interesting to think about with with the 2016 tournament and you know how people are going to play that. Well. Um, Obviously, giving you ideas right now. Yes. Yes. You know, because I mean, there's the bigger picture, and then there's the you know the game itself. You got to start and winning from the beginning, though. Don't you? Well, we got to make it win. You got to make it win. Win a win is always the best yep. sort of outcome. Yep. But um, you know, depending on how the team works and how the outcomes sort of come around, different conditions on what a win constitutes is going to sort of make itself present, isn't it? So, and it's going to be interesting because it's actually been a little while since I've played a straight, out-of-the-box classic game. Poor you. I played a Fog of War recently. Uh, one. Oh, good. Yeah. Excellent. Congratulations. Uh, Turkey. You know, I sort of raced, raced to 18 supply centres and no one was uh, the wiser. Um, but, you know, that, that got me thinking, you know, how Russia's idea of controlling... Both the the Scandinavian provinces, yes, and Anatolia, yes. essentially, 
that was know, incredible. It, it just never clicked to me that no. that was, you know, actually a really clever way to balance a stalemate line. Yeah, yeah, and I just never even goes to show. I've been playing diplomacy for years. Well, that's right. Neither, neither you and I picked that up. I mean, Lace comments was like that was the that was the, the main thing I got out of this game. Well, I got lots of things out of the game, but yeah, yeah, that was yeah. the one thing. It was like shit. Didn't well, actually he didn't swear because he's a gentleman. He's <laughs> <laughs> not Australian. He's not Australian. That's right. If so, facto, he's a gentleman. Um, so. Yeah, that was a really great point, and I've never thought about that. And actually then that starts making you think, okay, that makes perfect sense on a classic board, but how do you maybe apply that same strategic thinking to any board that you're playing on, from any variant, you know? And, and I, guess, I guess you just have to then start looking at um, different possible stonemate lines that together. Um, and stonemates are long time. I mean, that's a huge topic. I mean, that's something we can say for later, but... Um, as to whether or not you should even have them it's, it's been a talking point yeah or um, you know, something that's been thrown around both sides get on this one it's quite a heated kind of discussion that comes up um, but on the classic diplomacy board it's there yeah yep. you know and, and, and having you know that, that, that access to the north and the south and being able to control those two pivot points was really um, well for me it, it wouldn't have been a strategy I just never would have allowed I probably would have, you know, crashed and burned in a game of this caliber. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 you know, I was fascinated to hear that that was you know, something that they were aware of that was happening because you kind of look through and you think, oh, you know, there's this push and pull, and, but there's obviously all this discussion going on with the diplomacy. Yeah. This makes it um, well, so much deeper. Oh, it's that, and they broke the server. They literally broke the WebDip server. <laughs> oh, so um, a big, a big shout out, apology. I think they all um, uh, to to the poor WebDip folks who now have to um, scroll back through pages to look at all four hundred and sixteen pages or whatever they say. Yeah, to look at past messages. Yeah. So look, look, that's just our quick, our quick take on things. Um, drop on by if you wherever you listen to this, whether you listen to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or on the web. Drop on by the actual website at diplomacygames.com. Go to the podcast section. Go to this particular one about the um, the 2012 championship, and give us your ideas. Give us your thoughts. Leave your comments behind. We've got a comments area there. We've we've fixed it because I think we had a, I had a problem the other day where one player couldn't provide some comments, and I fixed all that. Again, another marvelous you know arsy technique over technology. So um, let's spend a bit of time. Watch the um, watch the embedded um, YouTube there of the yep. game. See what we're talking about. Yep. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoyed listening to these guys have a chat, have a yarn about a well, it's essentially a, a record-breaking game, longest game of diplomacy in history, in world history. And and I think these guys like, yeah. congratulations, guys. Very well good. Done. Very good. All right. So um, I think we're going to sort of jump into our next. Well, no, what we're going to do no. is we're going to wrap things up now and yeah, then okay. uh, we'll yeah. probably go back and record a, another episode straight after this, back-to-back, because okay, right. it makes gotcha. it easier. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so signing off, uh, I'm Andy. I'm Kane. And thanks very much for listening to the Diplomacy Games. Cheers. Cheers. Catch Bye. you later.